thanks for coming. Um, we've had a lot of uh, conversations, Cookie, over the last couple of months, and um, you know I really appreciate you bringing Davy to see us again. And uh, Davy, thanks for coming. Um, been a lot of stuff flying around the internet over the last 12 months about things that have happened in the past between certain people in Newcastle and I think that's why we wanted to get you together to, to talk about it and clear it up. But first of all, what I wanted to do, and bearing in mind this podcast is going to go out on my channel, on Cookie's channel and on Stephen Sears' channel um, to give it wide coverage. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about the West End of Newcastle. What was it like for you Cookie growing up there? Uh, it was a, it was good and bad, I suppose. Like uh, we had a community back then. It was on the streets. It was everyone knew everyone. They did from all the areas: Isaac Benwell, Scotchwood, Westerhope. They all mixed in the same bars. There was bars on every corner. Did you come from a big family? Um, I, I was, my father was big. He was involved in all the villains. He wanted us to be a villain. That's how I turned out a villain. He never gives any opportunity to get education like my kids. I don't want my kids. He just wanted us to be a villain, and that was what I brought up to be, a villain, a tourag that would do anything. I wasn't bothered, I had no fear for anyone. I would just do anything against anyone if someone poured in my head. I was mentally unwell. It wasn't until the 90s till I got me injection and I'm starting treatment that I haven't showed any violence. The only one I showed violence to was Bullock. When I punched his car window, he made a six-page statement saying I'd been following went to the truth and that. What was the first crime you committed, Davey? Arm robbery on the paper boy. How old were you? Nine. How much did he get away with? Can you remember? 33 quid. <laughs> did he get arrested for that? Uh, it was my door he come to. He come to collect the paper money from my man there. I opened the door and said, come here, I'll go and get it. When he got a big knife and come back up and said, get your money out. <laughs> so did he, did he make a statement? Did he get you nicked? Yeah, he got nicked. So what, what did he get for that then? Care order. Which is what? Uh, until the age of 16. And that means that basically, you know, the, the authorities have then got their eye on you. Uh, well, I had control of us then because before that, my father got us off with a lot of things that he could because I'd been involved in assaults and fighting and me and I, I couldn't sleep, Steve. I was up all night burgling. I, I couldn't get crime out my head. I had to rehabilitate myself this time when I got out. Were you always a, always a big stocky lad, Dave? 
I was chubby. Right. Uh, and I got slotty when I sought the weights in a detention centre. Did it, did it frighten you going into those places, you know, when you first went behind bars for the first time? Did no, I just treated it as a care home, because all I knew, they put me in the Christmas special with child killers, because I was escaping that many times. I was in Wyland Swindon, John Haymarsh, all them. Don Paul Howe, Dave Dinan, we all in there, Willie Ferguson, and the pup were there because we kept escaping. No, we're crimes, but there was child killers there that couldn't go to jail because they were too young. Some of them had killed babies and that, and they wanted us to mix with them, and I wouldn't have no to do with the group sessions or anything. I didn't smoke. My, my main thing was food. <laughs> if I had food, I was happy. That's the way I was brought up. Me kept me home was a loving relationship with me man and dad. Love was unbelievable. Wouldn't let anyone say no to brothers. Stood up for us. Visitors, every prison I went to brought me food. And it was open till the died, that's what they've done. Cookie, what about you and your, your childhood? I mean, were you involved in crime from an early age or was it something you got into in a later, later part of your life? I just, I mean, once I was allowed in the garden as a kid, basically, uh, I started getting into crime on, on the Bullerwood estate. You know, so I moved from Abercorn Road in Scotswood to uh, St John's Walk. Uh, uh, on Bud Road, Old Bangle, and I just started off. I mean, like my first memory is being in the hairdressers with me man and trying to dip this woman's hand back, and I got caught red-handed with my hand in her back, embarrassed me man a bit, uh, and I just that was just for sweets. I just deal for sweets, mate, you know. Uh, so never had out. And it just got worse and worse and worse. It, you know, I got bullied on the streets, but I did give, well, I, get, I, I did fight back, you know. Uh, there was this cookie hunting thing going on. Uh, I'm not mentioning what, what, what family were, were hunting is like all the time, but that originated from the Granger Park Boxing Club. You know, because I was alright at boxing, I was kind of fast, I was only little, but uh, I boxed the heat off a couple of people in that club, and that's what started all the, the bullying on St John's Walk with the cookie hunting. How old were you when you first got off Dublin? Yeah, I must have been about 20. What were you? What were you? Like Davy, did it? Did it just was a water off a duck's back, or were you a bit more? I, I was in Lower Newton. I, I got I got remanded. I was on remand for for nine months in Lower Newton for reckless driving and two street robberies. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was my first experience. That's when I come into contact with the Gateshead lads, the Sunderland lads. Uh, 
and I come face to face with a horror wreck as well, because one of the horrors was in there, I'm not mentioning much name. But every every door every every day when my door opened, I'd have a horror come in and said about us, you know. Uh, and I think I was it was like 12 months, 18 months late, later that I got arrested for, for the murder and all the screws in Durham jail knew us before I even got there uh, because of, of the escape with Davy and because he caused a riot on the visits in Law and you didn't come up to see us one time, didn't you? Tell, tell us about that then. What, what was that? What, what were you writing over, Davey? It was getting picked on because the hannas were there. So I went across to the main one and I said, Do you just remember you've got family outside? Leave me alone. Can out the day with him. It's between me, you and Paddy. The main Rick with Paddy Steve started with a two 16-year-old kids fighting Ricky Connery and Charles Harrison. Not the burning of the house that he's making out that he's some kind of hero because he's standing up for them. Harris never burned a house. It was over two 16-year-old kids having a straight fight. Paddy come to back Ricky up and the Harris were there high bricks and brave paddy with bricks and that's when the trouble started over two 16 year old kids having a fight and that, we, es that escalated didn't it? Aye. we weren't doing violence we weren't into violence or not like that we weren't a graft money anything to do with money we weren't interested in hurting people or i mean I've never had a co-accused apart from Paddy Connery. So I, I can't see how he can say I've put people in jail when I've done the most jail out of all of them. Looking at this situation that's developed with Paddy, from your perspective, Dave, you've been alongside him in the dock and off camera, you told me a story which I never really heard before. But you were in the dock with Paddy. Tell us a little bit about that. The, the wanted Paddy, his first in command, is out giving evidence. Me, Scott, and Walpole. I tell Scott and Paul to keep out of it. And I tell Scott's twin brother to keep walking down the court. And when they said, was Scott there that day, I went, no, was his twin brother. Because Scott had already been picked out by Collier. as doing the torture. But Paddy went in that witness box first. He's got the evidence. Put that evidence on there, and he swore every, blamed everyone but himself. He told he them about the whole crime, admitted the whole crime. But it was down to me. Got my alibi witnesses, paid them to change the alibi when they came to court, because I was on Durham visit from half past one. Till half past three that day, Collier got kidnapped. 
and the prison guards come inside that. So really, what you're saying there is with regards to Paddy, he put everybody in it. He blamed everyone but himself. So he grasped people. He said the stages in the times is me calling and make a statement. He blamed everyone but he said he put the shootings, shootings that he ordered me to be involved in. He blamed me for them, for he, he had all his own people in court sitting glaring at it. And because of my barrister wouldn't give my alibi statement, he said that's what he had to do, he done what he had to do. You became a police informer, Davey. Why did you do that? To get out the night, Oz nightclub affair. And what was the night the Oz nightclub affair? Philip Abdon was left in a coma. So to get a, you know, a better deal, a reduced sentence? Not to be charged, so all done it at that time. Okay. All of that was Nick Forrest done the deal at that time. Can, but you, can I, you say who else was nicked for it? Because it's not a case that I'm familiar with. Garcay, Scott Waters, Terry Richardson, uh, a couple of others from Sunderland. Okay. Is it possible, would you say, because of the sentences that Paddy Conroy has received over the years, that he may have been a police informer? I've had me suspicions. I've been there when a busy phoned him in the house. I got told by my family who's married into his family that he had an appointment in the police headquarters with Tommy Cowan. And Tommy Cowan was? Paddy's money man. That was his money man till he fell out with him. Cookie, you've had some dealings with Paddy Conroy as well over over the years. We met only because you became admin and as your t-shirt says now you're ex-admin but mm -hmm. you went up to the, and spent a bit of time at the farmhouse. What was your what was your feelings about going up there originally? Why did you do it? And then how did things pan out? Well the first time I went up the farm was about two and a half years ago and I was invited by Paddy and I spent about four to six months up the farm and uh, he bought us from the farm. He made up a ridiculous story about us and bought us from the farm. Uh, the second time I went up was when I had seen all them videos on YouTube. He had made loads of videos. Uh, It'll... Take your time. You know, from the moment, I mean, I wanted to go up there on the second time and to give Paddy a real chance. Like, hear him what he's got to say for real and take him serious, but the deal was I was allowed to apply critical thinking to the situation 
you know, I was allowed to have my own voice, criticise where I thought needed criticising and question what I thought needed questioned. But within a week of his being up there, I was just shut down to the point where I couldn't talk, I couldn't speak about anything without his permission. You know, it's, it was very draining. You know, it was very scary because he was seeing stuff about the CR's family and that, that was... Couldn't walk in the chairs of shoes. It was, it was scary. He didn't see stuff like that about the CR's family, especially when you've, you've got no, absolute no proof that they've been involved in anything to do with Paddy Conroy at all. You know? Uh, but I checked it out with him, I did take him serious, Steve, but by the end of it, it was all just manipulation and games and fairy tales. A big delusion, a big delusion. Dave, you were at the top of the tree for violence back in the 80s and 90s. I know, because I worked in the city as a doorman for 18 years, and I knew what your reputation was, I knew the reputation of the Harrisons, the town. I was mentally unwell, Steve. I know you were, but you were still a very physical threat. Mm -hmm. Now, from your perspective, you dealt and, and had situations with a lot of the well-known names. What was, your, what was your view on the Sears back in the, in the day? Well, well, like family, I, I, I brought a lot of respect for John Stephen. Mm -hmm. I always, I, when I went on the roof of Franklin and I fell off, I put a banner up for John, John says anything. I've done a lot of jail with John. And you've always found them to be? Admirable mm -hmm. and decent lad. Would you say that Paddy... Make their own money and get on with their own thing. Paddy's accused them of being police informers. I cannot say that. It's, it's crazy, man, because when I was up the farm, it was like he was... He, he thought that... He thought that I was coming to the farm the second... The first and second time, I believe now, was an in police informant. And that he was negotiating with the police, especially on his second visit up there, after he had bought us. You know? And that's what makes me think that Paddy is a police informant. Because... I was like coming back from the farm and totally just physically, emotionally ill with the situation. You know, I was causing problems between me and my partner because of my, the way I was. I was unresponsive a lot. Or, I mean, he was saying to me stuff like, you've got to tell them that. What was it again? I want to get the words perfect of what he said. He said, tell them that unless I get my deal, my proper deal, I want my money back, and I want compensation, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's what he said then. Like he got his money back when I screwed his ball. Right? Uh, that the murder details that Glover gave in the statement, I'm sticking to that I gave him then. He's got, got a totally, he's got a totally miswired. That's what Paddy was saying to this. He's got a totally miswired. What was meant by that was, let him take a lie detector test 
on what he said to me in that Crown Court. Remember them in Trump made father-in-law. Blew his fucking legs off. Cause he gave bullet a slap. For working he said in the ball over me. He got a slap and, and when the wind got three or three rifles fired into the wall and ricocheted and hit both legs like angry enough. The laugh about it. It's disgusting. He said to me in front of my cuckoos, get Michael Shears nicked with Viv. Let him take a lie detector on that. He never said, I'll give you the details, because he never gave us the details. I never seen him when I supposed to make that statement in Birmingham. It's interesting because prior to this, and we'll, we'll show it on the, on the video so people can read the statement for themselves. The statement that you actually gave wouldn't be allowed today no. You were actually naked in a body belt, which is actually... I was off my head, I tried to chop my fingers off with a toilet seat, tried to cut, cut myself, kill myself. Cut your wrist? Cut my wrist, cut my main leg artery. My neck, My neck, my face. I was nutting walls, punching walls. Ripping the cell apart, if I couldn't find anything to rip, I'd rip the oil cloth off the floor and burn that outside the cell door. I was hallucinating. I should have had, I should have been psychiatrically evaluated, but they knew they couldn't do that because of the dead, the whole case would have collapsed. Because they wouldn't have believed Collier. The, the, the statement that you made is, is something that Conroy keeps throwing back at me every now and then. Because it's to get to the safety. But ultimately, the, you know, the paperwork that he sent me, and I, I, you know, I'm going to send you this by email via cookie, but ultimately all he sent me, um, and I'll count, you know, I, you know counting the pages, um, is six pages. It is six pages, that's it, that's the only paperwork you sent me. And all it is, is your statement made in prison, under duress, naked, in a body belt, where you haven't got a clue what you're saying, where you, you know, you've been told by Paddy Conroy to implicate Michael Sears. Why, why do you think he wanted Michael Sears blamed for this? Because he blamed them for getting Collier to make a statement against me. He said they threatened Collier, them in the Tamsies threatened Collier to make a statement against me. Because remember Collier went in the police station that day and said it was men from Gaten were a cricket bat. Made a statement, Paddy got nicked that day and let out. The next day I went up to sign on and I got remanded. That surely shows you, again, that if he didn't get put away, then surely he's getting a little bit of help from somewhere. He had 15 charges on file, man, Steve. All the guns and the fat, the printing press, stone antique furniture, matching furniture, 
notebooks all the Spain contacts and his handwriting got them all left on file. Tell us a little bit about um, Phil Berryman and what happened there because that's another story that he tends to bring. It says Berryman come to see me in Cookie, never he come to see me once for a gun that we borrowed off him. And Paddy said, give him the gun back. That's the only time I met Benjamin, apart from when we went up on the boat in the Mountain in Scotland. And I caused havoc on in the pub that night with the jocks. What did you do? I started saying, oh, I don't know, and I started spitting on his, hitting his with chairs, and bullock and cold waters, mashed and left us. And I was fierce with a full bar. Was it a bit like Braveheart? Uh, they top on hockle in me face, chance getting in it, you fat dirty bastard. <laughs> was that a fight you won then, Dave, or not? Oh, I was off fire after that. <laughs> the, the, bit, the Berryman situation's interesting because Phil Berryman in his book, The Wacky Batty Boat, Although he doesn't mention Conrad by name, he gives him a, a pseudonym, which is Cordite, for anybody who wants to read that book, it's available on Amazon. Um, but he, he insists that Paddy was the one, Paddy got him nicked. He insists that he was working. I believe, I believe that as well. That's why I've been telling of a, a few good reliable sources at the time. Paddy got lifted over on the boat. Paddy got nicked in between them coming back and then get nicked with both of the drugs. However, folks the ape man didn't take rotten scientists to work that out. Exactly. Well, that's, that, that would be my And Bellyman, if he went to the customs, was only covering his back because he was terrified of the torture Paddy pulled through. The other thing that he mentions in his, in his book is the, the escape on the felon bypass of you and Paddy. Now, it's interesting because off camera when we've spoken, you insisted that there was no assistance from the police no. on that escape, because you have a history of escaping from prisons. Um, however, what Phil Berryman tends to suggest is that it wasn't the usual transport from- No, it was, what could be. Yeah. You can't you get Cathy transport for Cathy. Was it, was, it a, was, it a, was it a minibus or was it a taxi? A taxi. Now, Phil Berryman insists that that taxi was, it wasn't, it wasn't as high security as it should have been and that he, he thinks that it was planned and by we, the police. We should have, we should have been cartiers for that. So why weren't you? I don't know. So could that have been, could that have meant that there might have been a situation arranged if Paddy's handlers had decided we want him to escape, and you weren't part, you were He suggested escape to me, and I got my family to do it. Right. So maybe there is... He knew I would take the opportunity, I only had one child, section 18 on Kyla. But thinking back to that, Davey, and this is just hypothetically, but only looking at this situation, he suggests the escape to you, Berryman, ins Berryman suggests that Potentially, as a as somebody who's working as an informer, Conroy could have organised this uh, lesser, lesser security. He never let me know an outlet because I would have dropped them in it. 
Yeah. Okay, that's in, it's interesting. You, 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 uh, you, you know, you ended up, you, you mentioned it already, you ended up getting a, a pretty hefty sentence for, for yourself. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, Grendon, because that is something which I know you, you would like to speak about. Mm -hmm. um, HMP Grendon is somewhere where you go, you have, to, you have to rehabilitate. Prison isn't a great place for rehabilitation, but you went there. Tell us about the positive outcome from that for you. Uh, well, Grendon, basically, it saved me life, Steve. You know, it, it taught us about what me offending behaviour was really about, you know, uh, how it was affecting me life, and, you know, that I, I had to deal with it. I didn't understand it. It's like, how do you... You've got all these criminal values in, in, inside you, all these criminal beliefs, you know, you just, that, that, that's the way you are when you're criminal, you know, and you, you can't just rip them out, do you? Take years to rehabilitate yourself, Steve, I found it terribly hard. So when you end up at a place like Grendon, one of the first things they get you to do, right, is, to, is they, they, they get you to start taking responsibility for the community that you live in on the wing, you know? And that can be like a wide range of jobs, you know, from organising the gym, the gym list twice a week, to serving the food on the, in, or, 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 on the hot plates, or allocating the jobs for the lads on the wing, you know? Because yeah. we run our wing on that yeah. in Grandin. So, they, they taught us how to care for my community, how to uh, understand how I was damaging my community, you know? Uh, and that was the first thing that they, they got on to us about. Uh, the groups you'd get, you'd be on four, three groups a week, three small groups a week, where you're in a, a group where six to seven, seven inmates in a facilitator and you talk about your offending behaviour and you challenge each other. You, you, you try and gain insight, you try to emotionally identify with what, each, what, what, what we're talking about and the challenges that we're giving each other on these groups. And slowly over time you start to emotionally identify with what sort of relationships you were having outside, what they were based on, and how they kept you trapped in a cycle of crime, you know? Then they move on to, they, they basically peel you open like an onion, that's what the most common thing they say, you know, and build you back up. So when I walked away from there, I knew how I had become a criminal, how I had become violent, what sort of boundaries in my relationships do I have to maintain, you know? Because one of the most important things is maintaining positive relationships around you, you know? That's what the taught us, you know? I mean, it's a really, really hard environment to be in because, like I say, you're on three small groups a week and you're on two wing, Wing groups a week with the whole community, you know, and you have to do things like 
you have to be, a, you have to have a vice chairman and a chairman, and the chairman's like the boss of the wing. <laughs> and I, I, I got to be the chairman. I was the boss of my wing, and I'd done all that, and I'd done really good. And then uh, some had come up where, because in Grandin, I was like, I was a rep where I would welcome every every newcomer on the wing. So, but they would come in with drugs and stuff like that, and I would try and advise them without grassing them up. And then, six, 12 months later, someone would say, well, he knew I had drugs, you want to see me a member of this community, you should have put me right when I first come in the, in the, in the jail, you know? So as part of my punishment, the community decided that I would have to go on a on a conference where there was Professor David Wilson was holding a conference where criminal psychologists, forensic psychologists from all over the world, and I had to go up and talk about my offending behaviour, how I was addressing it, what my understanding of it was, why I thought I would be committing crimes and why I think I'm not committing crimes in the future. And that's how I met the professor, you know. Uh, it, was, it was really good. It was really good and I've done, done really well on that, on that conference. And then I met this other professor and I was too unaware of him, Steve. And he got his... Michael Brooks. Michael Brooks, yes. He he come onto the wing as the, the number one, the number two governor. And he come on the wing saying, because we're wanting to make therapeutic changes. And before they could make therapeutic changes on our wing, they had to clear it through them, through all of the community, you see. So he come down, said he was gonna make these changes and done some promises for it. But we waited six months, all the therapeutic changes got made, and the promises that he made to us never come to life. Like we would be part of the decision-making process. And so I ended up, he come back down six months later, I challenged him and ended up on a, having to go on a meeting once a week with all the head therapists in the prison and the number one governor to set therapeutic policy. And that's how I started meeting all these professors. Amazing story, amazing story. What I, what I asked um, to get a couple of notes on you, Dave, because obviously your story, I know some of it, but I don't know all of it. I was interested to know who you actually had met while in prison. And Cookie said you were, you were a good friend of mine, Charlie Salvador. You used to be good Charlie Bronson. But, but he said you were the Jordy Bronson in prison. That's what Cookie described as you. I tried to be a Charlie. <laughs> tell us, tell us about. Let, let's go through a list of names here. Lee Duffy. Lee Duffy's well known in the book. Nice lad. What was? What was I met Lee when I was fifteen in one GOD in Durham Block. I got checked to the jail at three o'clock in the morning. The police land over for rioting. And they put us in the exercise with Lee and then he shook myself. I was only 15, but he was a good lad. I done a bit to you with Lee. Was he, was he, a, was he a gentleman in sight? Was he, was, did, you know, was he, was he quite, uh, you know, quite... Aggressive. Was he aggressive? Uh, he was aggressive. Yeah. 
Yeah, interest, interesting to see. Did you ever see him have an altercation with anybody inside? Or did he, did you ever fall out with him? No, I never fell out with him. Okay. Paul Sykes. Uh, nasty piece of work. Yeah. He's a chase of YPs. <laughs> we used to pull piss out the window on him in the side below and he'd be foaming and he'd just come out the door on the ear wing when we were IP wing and now IPs would just scatter. <laughs> he'd try and grab them and the screws would be on him. He was a character then. <laughs> I gotta tell you a story, I don't know how how much it's true, but a life I was in the gear with him and had a pet cat. And this cat kept shitting on Paul's cell. So Paul's supposed to got the cat gutted it, made a hat out of it, and come work and in front of the life with a hat. Classic. Delroy Showers. Delroy, I call him Uncle Delroy. He's very close to me down. And that's who sorted the riddle between me and Ashley and Frank and Delroy took my side. Okay. And well known name in these parts, Fred the Head. Fred the character. I knew Fred since I was a kid. I've seen him come to my house in an ambulance, battered black and blue. I've seen him do some mad things. And he was there, if he was alive, he would prove this point. He was there when, Pan when I screwed Paddy's bar and went to Paddy's house. Paddy says I broke down in tears saying I'd pay the money back. Did I pay the money back, Paddy? How much, how much did you get away with? Three and a half grand. Why did you do that? Because I was a rogue. I wanted a few quid. It was a spur of the moment decision, Dave, you want it? What happened the week, the week beforehand? Me and Cookie got spun the same time in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, for a robbery on a post office in Scotchy. Yeah. They wanted me. But the crime squad that come said, come out with your hands up. So I put my trainers on with my shorts and I could run, couldn't I, Cookie? I've come out like that and just took off over the fence. And Cookie's done the same with his mother's and we met up at the bushes on Scotchy Road and we went behind Paddy's barn that everything was doing. I said, it's not a long day. Went in, had a drink, walked about, looked about that, busy in the bushes watching for me. And so we knew it wasn't alone. So it was just a matter of how much was going to be in the safe when we took it. There was no big conspiracy out like that, that Paddy says, that we burgled that bar. For the busies and now, now like that. None of that kind of, none of it.
the situation with the sales with you, I mean, you, you know, you passed it across massively, but there was there has been one thing that Paddy keeps going on about, and you know, tell us a little bit about that situation that he claimed. He claims one thing, you claim the other, and it's. I think we take your side on the. the, the I well, I, I never met Stephen and Michael until I was in prison, charged with me and Dex offence. Yeah. And I was on a visit, waiting in the visiting room. We ain't gone on a visit, and that's when I talked to Stephen. And Stephen says, come on the wing, he's like, you're all right, there's no problems on the wing. And that, and that was that, that was the, the he asked us why I was, a, I felt a bit paranoid of coming on the wing and stuff and that. And I said, it's because of what's going on with Davey and everything. And he said, there's no problems, just come on the wing, you'll be all right. And you're like Davey, you've got a lot of respect for the CS family. Oh, I've right. got no problems with him at all. You know, it was just... John's work with me dad and everything. It was just what Paddy was saying about them. Yeah. You know, and he's carried on saying it, carried on saying it, carried on saying it. So I, I went up and checked it out. Mm -hmm. And I can't see nothing. At all about the Sears family. Were you surprised? Were you surprised how quickly Paddy turned on you and, and, and started to make allegations against you no. of a sexual nature? Because no. there seems to be a pattern of uh, a pattern here developing. He he seems to to, to to like to try and bring it to a sexual level. I don't know what that is. Nonsense, grassing. Why does he do that? Do you think? But to get. People are on his side because no one likes a nonce or kitty fiddler. Yeah. And nobody likes the grass. And uh, no one likes the grass. Okay. You were mentioning something again as, as we met today about um, the situation that developed where sadly, um, you know, somebody, somebody was shot uh, by, by Michael Bullock. Now, that situation, uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. Paddy handed a gun and they get bullets, charges dropped on bullets. On his own brother? On his own brother. I've always wondered why Bullock stuck up for Paddy. Do you think that's the only reason he stayed with him all this time? He's never had no out of him. It's true. He's just... Being a lucky for Paddy, that's how Bullock is. I see him the other day walking beside my street. He's, he's knackered. Paddy's a carer for him now. Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's what the nurse's uniform is in the back of his car. <laughs> um, let's get back to you, Cookie, and we've talked about Brendan. Um, Tell us a little bit about prison reform and, and IPP prisoners. Well, the way the, the way the system's working at the minute, you know, you've got we've got a situation where we're releasing prisoners from prison every single day, right? Who then go on to commit further crimes, and the media doesn't see enough about it, right? But as soon as a sex offender escapes from an open prison, there are huge amounts, there are consequences politically, mm -hmm. right, that, that fall on the shoulders of the violent prisoners in prison, in, kept in violent conditions, right, more restrictions put on them, 
for their release. And they never, these prisoners never ever make it to open conditions or to try and get real prison reform. There's no such thing as prison reform? There's no, there's no, there's no prison rehabilitation going on in prison. None at all. You've got cognitive behaviour programmes, right, that negatively impact violent offenders. I mean, I went on a, a cognitive behaviour course. It was uh, anger management, right? And what I've been through grinding, right? I've done the whole hog. I've got all the insight. I really have, Steve. Once I get talking about it, I got it nailed, right? They put me on this stupid cognitive behaviour course about anger. I've dealt with all my, most of my anger issues from my past. So they're asking me to talk about them angry issues again, mm -hmm. right? Bringing up angry feelings with this. Then I have to leave the group after the group's finished and then go and get that re emotional resolve around them angry situations that happened years ago again. Yeah. What I had already done. So my point is, right? There's no, with these cognitive behavior courses, they bring up loads of violent feelings then you're pushed into a violent environment in the prison where you act out. It just feels every time. On the out, they do the cognitive behaviour courses on the out, it brings up bad feelings. 99% of the people on these courses re-offend in the community when they sit these courses in the community, right? In prison, it just doesn't work at all. There is abs they have created a system where from the moment you walk into that prison system you're mentally abused till the day you walk out and the sad fact is the release violent prisoners that we offend every single day in this country right. and the, the system is just a vicious circle it's a vicious circle i mean i think about the Kree twins and the Kree ideology and how that through the books and the Ross Kemp villain and all that, and how that has affected our society in a negative way. And, com you know, and I think it has. Mm -hmm. It influenced me when I was a kid, you know. But when I went into jail, that influenced us loads more. You know, that criminalised, that made us more anti-authority, that made us fantasise about violence more. It, it, that's interesting, that, because, uh, uh, you know, over the years, glamorisation of crime through films like Scarface, The Godfather, Goodfellas, That's right. then computer games. Right. So computer games have been levelled at another generation That's of, right. you know, like Mortal Kombat mm -hmm. or whatever. No. Those games kids play from the age of 7 right. to 10, they get influenced. Mm -hmm. Now with social media. Mm -hmm. So I've got, I've got two girls who are constantly on their phones looking at Instagram, etc. Eating disorders become a big thing from maybe Instagram, mm. the perfect body, so the perfect. Daughter, so your daughter suddenly decides, well I'm not going to start eating, I'm not going to eat because I want to eat. It's all in the mind, mm. it's all in the mind. When you, when you look at the careers, right, Ronnie yep. and Reggie, yep. he sat in prison for all them years, on them wings, right, and wasn't given a real chance, right, ever, really, mm -hmm. to properly rehabilitate, mm -hmm. you know, so the, the careers never had a chance of getting into jail, really. You know, and for a, for 
Charlie Salvador. It's, it's a different situation for him, see, Steve, because I found that from the, the, the prison community where I will have no chance of rehabilitation and I think Charlie's had that and I think he's had I think sitting in that solitary confinement for that amount of time could he find his own rehabilitation I believe he could because of the influence around I found it it wasn't the wing the wing influence it's been a segregation environment where anybody who's coming into his into his domain has been a positive person who wants to talk about positive stuff and how we deal with what incarceration and I think Charlie's done that. I really do think he's done that. I can't is he a danger to the public? Because you've got Dominic Rab right now making decisions on every single high profile parole decision. Lucky Charlie's gotten the court and getting to the court and I really don't think he'd be released because he's not a danger to the public, he's just a character. I spoke to him yesterday, so I hope in July will be when he gets his public hearing, mm -hmm. so we'll keep people updated on the channels uh, over the next couple of months. David, back to you, um, which prisons have you been in over the years? Most of them, Steve. Which was the hardest? Balmore's Unit. What was that like? Because there's been a television programme on Channel 5 recently about that. I didn't like it. You didn't like it? Uh, one predicament people. When you're mentally ill, you look at things different and you perceive an attack before it happens. But when you were unstable people that can come from any quarter, so you're on your tours all the time, and it can just flare up, proper violence. What's, what's the worst violence you've seen in prison, Davey? Murder. And Long Norton, Indian bro, killed a young Indian lad in the kitchen with a knife. Did your behaviour ever change in prison, Davey? Yes. How? Well, I had the children. That's what changed me. I knew I had to change. Was, that, was it easy? Nah. Took his years, Steve. I'm still not 100% low biting, but I'm, I'm mostly there. I don't commit crime these days. I don't think we used to get up in the morning, go out and think about anything that come into with, with vision. It would be far-fetched robbery, it would allegedly done it. Shootings, everything, the whole range, we went through the whole range. Alleged everything, but we never got arrested for now. You go, going back to the start of the interview, you said your dad wanted you to be a criminal. From what you can remember, what was the, the driving force? Did you, did you get a buzz out with it, David? Aye. You got a high? I love me dad, he loves me dad. Right. And I want to be like him. 
I even said on one trade one time that the only thing I want to do is do more drill than me there when I was 15. Mm -hmm. How's your mental health now, Davey? On medication, I'm sound. There's not a problem. But I stopped taking the injections within two weeks. I'm picking guns up and weapons and barricading doors and bolting windows and they can come in this way, they can come in that way, they can do this, I've got to get them first. And I remember the safe houses with Mr. Gandon. Uh, yeah, I said. never used to stay more than a couple of nights in the house. Paranoid. Paranoid. I've had the, when I went to the psychiatrist when I was a kid, Steve, the psychiatrist, Dr. Savage, turned around and said to me, Mother, he needs a good smack dose. That's all he needs. I was in special schools all my life. And then the gives a tutor two hours a week at me home. And then that stopped. And then I just got killed after killed. But my dad done, done the right thing, he posed involuntary care before I got done for a robbery one time. So they never give us a car and then when the trade was over and they just give us a fine and that, he took us out of care. So I'm, I missed that car but as soon as my dad got locked up, I got a killed and I was 18. And on my 15th birthday, they gave us 12 months, took us to court and gave us 12 months. They used to just sit in the room with us, my bedroom, playing chess all day. Because I used to escape that many times from the secure care How do you think your past offending behaviour has affected your life now, Davey? Timely. Timely. I just want the quiet life now. I've, I can't see the point again in history. What's done is done. Everyone knew. Paddy can't tell lies about me because everyone knows what I've done and what I haven't done. Because I made it the whole lot public. Everyone knew the lead shootings, the lead robberies, the lead assaults. I've never heard nothing. Do you think that's why he's, he's always been concerned about what you've got to say? Because you know the full truth, uh, and, the truth and nothing but the truth. Uh, mm -hmm. And then anybody's got the arse to turn out and tell the truth. He causes a rapist, he causes everything. But he wants to look in his own corner. Because he hasn't got his family around him. He's got no one but fucking saggy tit. Your situation, Cookie, um, how do you think your future is going to pan out now? And, and how would you like your future to pan out? Well, I think the. I'm unsure about my future, you know, but I think, I think that I want to write, 
I really want to write, I want to try write a good book for me and Davy. Uh, a human social villain book. <laughs> and take it from there. Because I've got other plans about writing and that that I think I would be good at, you know. So YouTube channel's going well. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to start doing that. Well, because I want to bring people up, because from my area, a lot of people know about my past, and a lot of it's glamorised, you know, and then they see us on the street now, and they see that I'm all reading stuff and that, but I want people to understand what, what, what true, my true friendly behaviour was like, you know, what, what crimes did I really commit, and what were the consequences of that, you know, and... That's what I want my channel to be put about to give that message. But I, I, I want to start campaigning for the lads in the prison, for the IPP prisoners who mm. are trapped in that, in, in, in that prison. And no way of addressing that offending behaviour to get out, you know. I think I would love to see myself be around positive people working on a project, a therapeutic project within Dunham Prison on a wing and start trying to bring that into Dunham Prison. That's what I would love to do. Putting something back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, look, mm -hmm. I think to be honest after when I knew I could have a conversation with you when I first saw you talking about your past on your channel mm -hmm. and I knew then that there's remorse you're sorry for what you did. Mm. You know that was a victim, mm. and you know the index mm. crime. And ultimately, you wanna you wanna try and put something back, which is is admirable from me. Davey, obviously, you know you talking about working on a book um, with with Cookie. Is that you know is that something you would like to do? Is that something you would like to get your story? I get my story over, apart from Paddy's point of view, because I've just sat back really and let Paddy say what he wants. Well, I think the difference is you'd actually be, you'd be working with Cookie and you'd be, you know, Cookie can type. I think the, the book that Paddy would do would be with colour and pens. <laughs> <laughs> if he was Good sitting colour. in front of you now, this is the last, this is the last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to go to you first, Cookie, to the camera. If Paddy was sitting in front of you now, what would you like to say to him? Paddy, I understand that you're suffering, right? But you've, you've got no right to turn on and say the horrible things you've tried to say about me. You've tried to destroy the, my personal relationships with making false allegations about this. Now I understand that you've got mental health problems, but just pack it in, man, because we will close your channel down. David, you've uh, you know you've come today. Um, I felt and Neil felt that we had to do this today, and thanks to Cookie for arranging it, we've been able to do it. We wanted to do an interview, a full interview with you, uh, which we've been able to do. We've asked you every question we wanted. You've managed to put a across 
a few things that you wanted. This is completely unedited, mm. so it will go out as it as it's been recorded. Again, if Paddy was there now, what would you like to say to him? We're going to taste the fucking sugar. Because you're just living in fantasy land and the more you're isolating yourself up that form, you're just living in fantasy land. Pull your ego in the check, man. Start empathising with the people around you, man. He's gone. He's not being rehabilitated. He's living this... People, the business have made him to be as big as he is by putting him the most wanted. That he would be nothing now. Just a villain that went to jail for Collier. Mm -hmm. But he involved the whole Shaban. Before he went away, Steve, he caused trouble with the Searsies, Tandies, Harris, Mizbarad, Sunderland Lads, Buick. He caused trouble with the whole lot of them. Because he thought he was clever, standing up with people, thinking they could take on the whole lot. And it was us that were sent down to do things. He sat up in his house mm -hmm. and put, put, put me in situations where I was, my life was at risk. I was facing life in prison and never give a toss about it. Never made a penny of him, Steve. All that drugs, drugs and violence that we done for him, never made a penny. The only money Promises. You, the only money you did make was when you robbed him. Aye, that's the only money I had to do that. that. To get a bit of money off him? Is he, is he looked on with respect or is he looked as a, as a laughing stock? Laughing stock. Laughing stock. He's proper laughing stock by his own family as well. He's not the fighter in the family, the other brother's the fighter, I'm not naming him. But the other brother was the fighter. I've read the depositions, I know all about his brother and how, you know, how respected he was. Mm. And he had a good relationship with the Sears family. Aye. Michael Conrad. Aye. That's right. That's who the fighter of the family was. Big Mickey, Big Mickey was the, was the... The boy. The boy of the Conroy family. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to draw close to it there. I just want to thank you again, Cookie, for, for doing this. Um, obviously, it's going to be available on your channel, mm -hmm. um, the Sayers channel and my channel. Uh, mm. Davey, I want to thank you as well for coming. So thanks Can for I just see it? Oh, yeah, go on, go on. Paddy, you asked for this. You asked for this, mate.